You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Oh, I forgot to put on my uniform. Fancy hairdo. You should wear one of these, Rooney. Oh, wow. I know. Look at that bad boy. What's up, yo? I would have had to go to some classes to get that, I think. If you want. Uh, yeah, all you had to do is walk in the front door and show up one time, and they gave you one of these. So you didn't hey, get I, one, huh? Well, hold on a minute. <laughs> I, I do have something. Uh, you got Come a parking on. ticket? No, you got, you got a haircut. Look, you look nice, buddy. No, I just it's just combed it. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, as you guys are talking, I'll find what I got, so I can. I have to sip. Oh, here it is. Hold on. Okay. What is that? Trump spray. <laughs> Trump tower. You uh, you put that on and it makes you talk arrogantly, or what happens? Yeah. Oh, oh God. Whoops. Do you hear me honk on the horn? You're not oh, driving, my. are you? Oh my God. No, I'm stopped. I'm in a parking lot right now. Am I spitting again? <laughs> so you guys can make fun of me? No, we're not making fun of you. You're doing that yourself. You. Uh... <laughs> so no, oh. we. Uh, it was good. I mean, I got to do a lot of networking and stuff. That's kind of why. I go there. I also take it kind of as a vacation. Yeah. Um, kind of a getaway. So to have a little why more even, why don't we tell everybody relaxation? We were. We but just, it was uh it was a good convention. We a lot of holy, people there. Holy Chris, cats, you gotta tell them that we went to the holy land. We we migrated back to the holy land to uh pay homage to the uh leader of our uh our brokerage. Oh and, and our uh, our 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 brand. That's what we do. Okay. I'll tell you what, I'll post some pictures. Those of you that follow me can check it out. I'll do that probably tomorrow. Um, what what an absolutely great fest, you know, 50th anniversary. So what was really cool this year was, you know, every year uh, Dave Leninger, the guy that started the whole thing, um, came. he comes out and he talks about state of the – this year he came out and said, hey, I'm old. I'm getting older. And he goes, I, I want to tell my story to you guys. There's so many, there's over 9,000 people in this arena. He goes, I want to tell you that from the beginning, what I went through, and he took about 45 minutes and told the true Remax story. I mean, it was unbelievable, Chris. You would have loved it. I mean, I, I never really had a connection with him until we, he talked. And now he was talking about how they would grow this thing so fast, they wouldn't know what to do with it. And then they'd, they'd run out of money and they had... Uh, these con men that came after them and they had the actual mob came in as false investors. And he, I mean, it was unbelievable. Some of the stories he was telling us and it, but it explains like why the Remax brand, where it started, where it went, where it was when we joined and where it is going now. And my God, what a fantastic American dream come true story. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. When you talk about that growth so fast, yeah. They do. They get growth. Like, I mean, these companies, they kind of enter into the market and then they just grow, grow, grow. And then it maybe gets complacent for a little while and then they go again. And uh, it's an interesting thing. We see it. I mean, obviously, they've been hanging around a long time. 
50 years oh, yeah. is a long, long time to be this able was, to uh, here, here was just one of my pictures right here. This is kind of hard to tell with all the cameras and crap. Yeah. Um, this was, whoop, hang on. This was the, uh, it's hard to tell. There you go. Yeah, we can um, see Yeah, about 9,000 people. It's like if you took Target Center, filled it up, and then, uh, and, and I mean, Chris, how do you not get pumped up when they open up with, uh, Cool in the gang comes out on stage and sings celebrate good time. Come on. And I'm like, holy crap. So cool in the gang is one of my favorites, right? From way back. And then they literally ended that first day with Flow Rider, you know, getting everybody jacked. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And then they uh last uh night before we left, they they played uh, or not last night, the night before was Maroon Five. And uh that was, you know, for as much as I I I that Adam is the lead singer is an arrogant guy, puts on a good show. So, yeah, I, I found this right here so we can see the stadium. Yeah. That was before it was full. That's cool. Anyway, I uh, I learned a lot, picked up a lot of new techniques. I uh I, I think it's kind of funny is that the largest Remax guy in the in the uh, world, you know, uh you know this um he's out of California, out of basically South LA. And literally, this guy walks on stage and says, you know, hey, uh, yeah, they invited me here because I'm the number one highest earning, commission earning real estate agent in the world. And uh, he goes, just to let you know, I got three pair of socks on and they're all wringing wet with sweat because I'm so nervous right now. And then he goes, holy F. <laughs> and everybody started dying laughing because he goes, I'm not a professional speaker. I don't know what to say. They told me to come out here and talk about how to sell houses and I, what do I say, you know, and, wow. and now everybody immediately connects with this, you know, he's a human, right. And, and, and just right places, right time. And then he goes at the very end, of course, they, everybody seems to have the book, right. Or there's something to sell. He goes, yeah, he goes, and then I put out this book. Um, he goes, my, one of my best friends, Sylvester Salone signed it for me and did my, you know, the, the beginning of the book for me, he's done like 140 celebrity sales and like 200 athletes. And he just, He's in that pocket where his average sales like twenty seven million, and just crazy. That that uh, gets the commission high really fast. Well, it does, and you know what they do down there is he said that they he goes we're we uh, down here do some extreme discounting because of the price points, and I go oh yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking like he's gonna say like you know some crazy number, and he goes yeah we do them for five percent. So he goes some guys will do them as low as like four point eight. Um, and, and I go, but you do the math on that. That's a three, $400,000 commission check, but they're afraid not to do it. The sellers, because the, they like literally make movie productions when they sell these houses and do some amazing stuff that, well, like he says, he goes, Hey, I'm going to put you in front of my, he goes, my, my contact list is pretty crazy. You get to see my contact list. They get to see your house. And he goes, so if you want to put them in front of every professional athlete and you know, celebrity in the, in the LA area, just let me know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That helps. Yeah. Anyway. So, so I don't know. I, I keep losing. So I, I look more like um, I'm, I'm dumb over here because I'm not, I'm not maybe reacting. So just uh, keep me go on your phone. Go on your phone. Nick. Really? Just go on your phone. Yeah. Well, Andy. So that, that well, guy, what do you start with the show? We, uh, we, <laughs> What do you think he pulls in a year? That number one seller? Uh, about twelve million. 
And that's the number one guy in Remax. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, for residential, and I think some of these guys with commercials sometimes will have bigger years than that, but you'd be surprised in, in real estate how, um, you know, Remax agents, the average, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I, this is not a Remax endorsement. It's just, it is what it is because Remax agents pay rent. So think about the psychology between somebody that's a regular, you go to a broker and they give you everything and they don't charge you anything until you sell something. And then they keep a majority of your paycheck, right? Remax, we actually write out checks to have the opportunity to go earn straight commission. So right out of the shoot, you, you have an organically different creature there. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, then you go out there and you start selling real estate. You can negotiate better. You can, you know, all these things that happen with, with Remax agents, it makes them different. But, but what I like about it for me is that it's designed to be, you're the star. And then the brokers are the ones that are, are like your, your agents, right? That are helping you, supporting you, trying to make you a bigger star than you already are. And, and so anyway, um, but it, the average Remax guy or gal, as I would say, or whatever you call yourself, good for you, um, is is going to have um, the uh, 17.8 transactions. And most brokerages have 2.3. So, you know, and then there's also some very good ones. There's lots of great brokerages out there beyond Remax. But that's just where so you get a lot of top producing people. And what's new to Remax, which a lot of people are shocked about, is how it's now become an open format where People share. So like we like there's a round table where I'm sitting with other agents that are similar in size or even bigger than where I am with my team. And you're collaborating about what, what are you doing to grow your business? How are you taking care of your agents? How do you, you know, get that, you know, um, four seasons experience for your clients. Right. Or the Ritz Carlton, as they always say. And, and what are you doing? And so I always come back from that thing so jacked up. But now this is my busy time of year. So then I don't have time to necessarily jump on anything until june july but it, it oh man i you guys you know how i like to take notes i literally am not kidding i have a whole book of i i meticulously take notes because i was i'm afraid i'm going to forget those nuggets that they give you and i'm like so i'm note guy just anyway chris laughs at me but it's okay Hey, last week we were all hyped about the the professional and your trophy handy so i think we got to give uh the man below there, his credit too. So I, I, yeah. I see this. He got uh, wow. number 72. That uh, that guy right there is pretty impressive. That is, that's, uh, now that's in, that's, that's individual. So they, they do a lot of, um, different things. So Andy and I, you can't, we're not compared. Andy has a team, you know, and then I'm like an individual. So they put us in, in different categories, but yeah, right. that one got 72 out of in the U S that's, but you know, it's that's kind of just seems weird. It, you know what though? The, the fact is, is that I've sat there as an observer of your success for years and you're always very humble about it. You're, you're, you're consistently a top producing agent in the high end luxury market and people come to you everybody asks hey you know my buddy chris everybody freaking loves you so i'm not trying to do an ad for you but you are a well even though you don't show up in anything you're one of the more respected guys in the twin cities i'm serious i told you man i i show up i just don't take very good notes (laughs) i'll I'll make good copies so you can throw them away yeah i think it's you know i think that thing that whole that's the whole real estate thing. It's like, you got to do what you do. You know, if you, 
everyone thinks you need to, you know, go to white, like what you do. That's, that's who you are. You're, you're like that. I mean, and you can, you come up with those numbers and stuff and I just, I'm not, that's not my angle. And so I think it's, uh, you do what you do and do it right. And hopefully it turns out pretty good. So. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it, it is crazy though. When you sit down with some of these other teams where my team will sell hundreds of houses, some of these guys I was sitting with sell thousands of houses and it's like, God, I don't, you know, but the one guy I was sitting with, there was, it's called having a team, right? So it's like a mini brokerage within a brokerage for those of you that don't, you know, so it's like you have your broker, then you have a team. And then underneath the, the team leader, they have a bunch of people that work together collaboratively. And this guy had, Chris, I'm not kidding you, $750,000 a year in staff and overhead. And just, I'm like, Oh my God. Think about how many houses you have to sell just to crack that nut. I mean, my God, that that's an, I, I I'm like, no, thanks. And, and but it is, it's, in the world. It's, but it's like a, it's a mini, it's your own brokerage. It's like your own real estate company, you know, that they're, they're doing it. And, and again, that's a, that's another way of doing it. I mean, I used to have a team used to do the team thing and uh, it just, that wasn't my, my thing. It's just, I wasn't, I wasn't good at telling somebody the same thing 10 times over and they keep not doing it right. And so I just real small and got, you know, the uh, funny part is though, Chris, I disagree with you. I think you're, you're great at it. And I think that's the part about you is that I think you are by not being a leader, you're being a leader. You know what I mean? It's like that, that, you know, you're the cowboy, the rogue cowboy, but people respect that and want to ask you questions like how you're doing it. And that yeah. is anyway. You could coach. I think you probably want to. Coach, I'm good with I'm good with our boy Cody in Arizona. That yeah. guy, I mean, he just swallows everything up. It's it's funny that he kind of he does it. It's working for him, so it's, it's well, good. Well, I walked by that. I walked by that buffet at uh, Caesars. Remember where he <laughs> told us to go? And yeah. I go, God, I remember when we sat down with that guy in there, and he ate like seven pounds of crab legs. <laughs> and I'm like, here's a here's a you know a D1 college playing you know, a football guy. And oh. Chris and I are sitting there just talking with this guy. And I'm like, this is really actually refreshing because it wasn't about business. It was about life and about, you know, he's talking about like Nick playing football, with Nick and, and growing up and where he's from and what he wants to do with his life. And just, you know, kind of an interesting, like small story. Right. And then now he's taking that into this big, beautiful career now and he's launching it. And I, uh, I don't know. I admire the guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do we got here? Is It seems like every realtor always has the same response. Now is the time to buy. We are on the fence of finally buying our first home this year, most likely a new build. With everything going on in the last year and this year, is it, okay, we are on the fence of finally buying this year. Okay, so are they saying, is this the time to buy, Mr. Andy? So let me let me give you the general consensus. So I was sitting around these round tables of, and, 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 I, and I mean this not to be braggy, but so you're on a table of multimillionaires, uh, these team leaders that are just, you know, successful. And I'm like, and, and one of the questions was, what are you guys currently investing into um, for your investments, for your family and your future? Everybody, not, not just one, everybody at that table, they were from across the U.S., across Canada, were saying we're buying real estate. We're buying and we're holding. So the strategy has gone more long term. And this is from the people that are in the industry that are the producers. They're buying and they're holding. So it, it's not a buy and a flip. It's not buying or whatever, even though that can be done too. But if you can buy and hold, you can always, you know, finance the, um, 
you know, the uh, the refi the rate if you need to in the future or, or pay it down fast. That one one of my customers gave me a great analogy a long time ago. He says, I don't really care what the interest rate is because I'm only going to have it for about 10 years anyway. And I'm going to I'm going to be paying it down and I'm paying extra and I'm going to have it paid off. So to me, if the rate's at, you know, four and a half or five, it doesn't really matter because it's going to be short term. So you think now is the time to buy? I, I think if you are able to put a, a decent percentage down so you have equity, um, I think that if you can swallow the current payments the way they are and it doesn't exceed 25% of your gross income, then then I would say yes. That That is the price range I'd buy in. I think the, the question I would ask them is, is it right for your situation right now to buy? Then it's the right time to buy. You know, if you if you ever think you're going to time the market absolutely perfect right. and buy the house at the lowest at the lowest price with the best interest rate and the biggest return, you, you're going to it's very, very lucky if you ever hit that. So, well, like, um, like across the bottom, Chris, it's asking us, is there ever a time that we should not buy? And and I, I think that that's where, you know, Nick and, and, and as you guys are younger, people get into the marketing and or into the housing market potentially right and it, it's a personal individual thing because mm-hmm. I, we knew people that were your age back in the 80s granted the houses were probably 45 50 thousand but they were buying houses with 18 percent interest rates but the, mm-hmm. the math worked right they were making enough money to afford the payment to i mean because eventually i mean i don't know eventually houses will probably be 50 million dollars i mean and we're all making you know 30 million dollars a year who the hell knows i mean you know you look back at when people were making $8,000 a year and cars were $1,500 and look at the ratios now. I mean, it's, it's extrapolated up to what? hundred, 200 times that in some cases. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're asking, is the time to buy now? I think there's two parts to that question. Is it the time to buy now investment properties or is it the time now to be able to buy your first home? And uh, I think getting your first home at any time is, is a smart way in which to do it. Just don't get over your skis too far. And, um, you know, it just, and also you can look at a home, it's a, it's a home. It's something you can take care of. It's something that's yours. It's something you, um, commit. Yeah, exactly. And at some point it's, it's, it's definitely going to go up, but I don't know. I think everyone really looks at a home as their, their only investment vehicle. And, you know, you can do less than that. So well, and I, I see these young couples that'll come in and they've got the little three-year-old and the five-year-old and the eight-year-old and they're. Like, well, you know, I don't know if the timing's right for us to buy a house with a sport cart. And and I'm like, if you can afford it, you're going to provide those kids with an experience and you're going to have, you're going to be the house to go to, right? You're going to be the house where all the sleepovers happen at. The When the basketball carts are full and the kids want to shoot baskets, they're going to be at your house. I go, there's a lot of things that that gives you beyond just, you know, shelter. It provides a lifestyle. Like Chris and I have talked about this for years. Why do you buy a house on the lake? It's way more expensive than a house across the street. You can live across the street, but you don't have the lifestyle of being on the water. Huge yeah. difference. And so when, when you look at like, hey, we want to have a big family. We want everybody on the same level. I want to have a loft up here for my kids. And you can provide that for your family at that time. I, I don't know how to say no to that other than if you can't afford it. If you right. can't afford it, then then it's wrong. Yeah. I'm with you, buddy. Beautiful. All right, let's get into some social media reacts. It's going to be brought to you by Chris Rooney, Home Experts. Okay. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, 
rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. Well, he's got the confidence part down. Oh, what up, fam? All right, yeah, you want to show me around? That's what's up. <laughs> Straight up, this house is valid. Literally dead. Literally dead. Literally dead. Whoever picked this paint color understood the assignment. Sick. Hang on. Oh, you're a Swifty? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so straight up, the market is low-key trash right now. I check the vibe on the MLS every day. Houses out there are mid, no cap. Most buyers are simps for a deal right now. I don't vibe with that, neither should you. No, I will slay as your realtor. Make this house the main character. And that's what's up. So bet. <coughs> was that Cody? Exactly. Oh my God, I was thinking the same thing. Cody, he's got all these little slang terms. I'm like, oh, oh what? What is that? I mean... It's like bet, you know, you got, dad. You got me back here making notes going, what are the, okay. <laughs> that later, you know? It, uh, yeah, that's good. That's, uh, that's interesting. Oh no, it works. I guess. Again, no, I think that if they're connecting with a buyer and the buyer, which this is, what's always weird. You know, you're starting to get old when you can't connect with that person, but that person can connect with other people. And, and that's where I've learned. You just, you know, slow your roll, you know, relax a little bit. Ultimately, you know, if you don't have a stick, what you should do is a really weird thing. Just know what you're doing. And then that kind of overcomes a lot of that stuff. Because you can you can connect with someone if they know that you know what the heck you're talking about and get them in the best position to succeed. So, Nick, uh, can you connect with that salesperson? Could I connect with them? No, I, I'm more proper cultured. I don't like speaking like that. Yeah. He, no, I mean, like from his age group, like you, you don't, you understood him at least, right? Yeah, but I think that's even younger than me now. I think that's yeah, like, like the twenty-year-olds. Yeah, Morgan's age. Type. Yep. Morgan could understand it. She gives me some stuff. I mean, I have to. I get texts from her that I have to like translate. I'm like, all right, it's there's like six letters, and I, so what are you doing today at three o'clock? Oh, there it is. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, pretty exciting. This is a two hundred to three hundred thousand dollar backyard here in Irvine, California. This is a modern style design, and it's packed into a small space. So this is thirty feet by about seventy-five feet wide. This yard is full of custom features that include a custom barbecue with a three D tile footprint in the back. Has a custom water wall that pours into the spa. Has a floating cantilever deck that holds a fire pit and a built-in custom seating bench. This also includes a spool, a spa pool combination that is zero edge where the water just trickles over the, the top, luxury to its finest in the small space. Like, comment on this video if you want to see more like it. Nice. Very cool. Nice feature, t t get grabbing a small space and turn it into something. Um, I think that makes you overlook the size of the lot sometimes. But boy, there's I've seen some cool things in like the cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, that have created these little areas that, you know, you try to create some um, 
some privacy, you know, because you are super close and everyone's right next to each other on top of each other and creating something like that um, in a mature yard is, is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I think How do I look with the sun on me, Andy? Uh, that's, that's the Lord speaking to you, Chris, saying yep. top 10 this year, buddy. Top 10 is what he's telling you. I think, I think uh, it means I have to move to another spot so you don't see me spinning again. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, well, that, uh, <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you what the, uh, uh -huh. when I, when I see a video like that and I see like a, a littler backyard and, and I think of having someone invest two to $300,000, the one thing I would just say, and I'm not trying to be Danny Downer here, but I want to make sure that you understand it's, it's in ratio to the home. Now, I don't know, Chris, if you have a magic number that you guys use when you're looking at luxury homes, but let's say that that's a, a, a $2 million house, no problem. Invest the money. It's going to come back to you. People, plus with that small of a yard, like you said, you might be in the coolest neighborhood in the world, whatever that is, wherever that is. And that now makes it even cooler. And now when somebody's writing out a check for $2 million versus $2.2 and they love it and they fight over it, because you know what I mean? You, well, you know I, yeah, I think it really, it's just, it has to match like another part of the lifestyle. It can't just be like, hey, if my home is $2 million, I can add this on because some of it won't work at all. It's got to kind of flow with what the lot is, what the lifestyle is. And I mean, yeah. if that's sitting on, on a lake or if it's sitting, I mean, on a lake, it would be really a good thing. And on a 26-acre ranch, it might not work. And so you might be just throwing money away. And sometimes I think in the luxury market, People think that, oh, my gosh, I'm going to make a lot of money on it. And it's usually don't. Usually don't make a lot of money on, on luxury homes. Um, right. It's it's something that you want, you like, and you're going to use. And people that are in the luxury market understand that and like that better. And I think that uh, – or or they like the lifestyle and they're willing to pay for it. So yeah. it's, hey, if I want to have a pool in there, I'm going to enjoy the pool. I might not get the money out of it. But yeah. maybe if you had a pool onto a – $800,000 acreage property, you put a hundred thousand into it. It might be a, a million dollar acreage property now because yeah. you've got yeah. another addition to the lifestyle. I, I so. couldn't agree more. And I think that that's a, you know, a good way to look at it is case by case. And, you know, the, this is kind of interesting. <clears throat> so when people, as we, as humans, right, we're, we, we collect, right. We're collect, we're gatherers. Right. And we, we, so we have our first house and then we want a bigger house. And then we, want a house that maybe represents our lifestyle or our status or whatever. And then you get to that point of where you have that, uh, you, you start thinking that, Hey, I made 200 grand in my first house. I made 200 grand in my second house. And then you sell your, your multi-million dollar property and you lose 600 grand. You're like, what the hell? And, and that is, Chris is right. I've, I've watched it happen numerous times where people buy the house on the lake on the perfect lot. They stick 600,000 into it when they sell it. Somebody else comes in and guts it again and redoes it the way they want it because that buyer in that price range has that kind of budget. And so you just understand that, you know, there's not always an ROI on some of those investments as well. I think that's why when people kind of put out there that, Hey, everything we put into a house is investment. We're going to make money on it. Yeah. I just don't think that's necessarily true. And it used to be the way I always thought, you know, no, don't do that because you're not going to get your money back. A three-season porch. That was me. That was my thing. Was, you're never going to get your money back, you know? Yeah. At least in the properties I was living in, I didn't think yeah. I'd get my money back. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, 
I finally, I finally got a three season porch, my 20th home, 20 homes. I finally got one and I loved it. I love sitting on it. And I mean, and it's just like, well, this is worth it. Oh my gosh. I should have used it. So it's just kind of a, it's a thing. Just don't get caught up and just everything needs to be able to, you know, make you money. Well, in all fairness, now let's take a look back at like a couple weeks ago, we were looking at some of those luxury homes, right? And we were saying, you know, they were priced at like 1.2 and we're like fixed up. This is a $2 million house. Well, that that's a little different. I think if you've used that luxury features and, you know, and you've rode that train all the way to the end of the tracks and now it's time to renovate or remodel, then it's a little different. But then at that point, you, like the people that were selling them as is, they know better. They don't want to get another 600 into it to get 400 back. So, you know. I see, I see there's a question there about like – Last week we were saying not to skimp out on luxury flips, and I, I 100% agree to not skimp out. But maybe you don't add that. That that's not going to maybe get your value. So, like to me, if you're if you're doing a flip and uh, it's you want to pick if if it accentuates, you know that lifestyle, then yes, it's a great thing. But there's some that you don't have to or you don't need that. So maybe you're doing a flip and it's already got a pool in it. You don't have yeah. to rip the pool out and then create this little little area. That's it for a small lot. But you might like, you know what? I'm going to put accordion doors in and the sliders are going to all open to this pool. That might be a, an investment that's much more worth it, the the awe and the kind of that initial, whoa, this is this is amazing, this house. So. So yeah, you don't skimp out. You don't skimp out, but you pick the right pieces to that um, flip or turn or investment. Just tell the damn truth. Just tell the damn truth. I love that line. McGraw used it at Eric two years ago, and it's so true. I had a real estate agent say to me the other day, Tom, you've got to have two stories one for the vendor and one for the buyer. No, you don't. No, you don't. I think if you tell the damn truth to both people, life works so much better. Example, this guy said to me, how can you tell the owner what their home is worth and still get the listing? I said, it's really simple. Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, I know that you'd like to get two million and two million would be a great number to achieve. Two million would be a number I'd love to be aligned with. And if it's out there, I'll be getting it. Comparables are showing one seven to one nine. I'm letting you know my job is to go out and find someone who has the same view of value as what you do. Great news, Mr. Vendor. We don't have to get the price right today, but we do need to get the process. And I've got to let you know, it's the process and not the promise of a price that's going to get you top dollar. And you can say the damn thing to the buyer. To the buyer, you can say, listen, I want to let you know my owner is pretty ambitious. I've shown him comparables at 17 to 19, and I've got to let you know that my experience that if we worry about the process, fair market value ends up being the result. Just tell the damn truth. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I mean, obviously the premise of that is correct. I don't know if I agree with his, his, his process, but I think the premise of it is, you know, I don't think liars or realtors set out to lie. I think sometimes realtors just don't give you the whole story. And it, it is true what he said that, um, 
you know, how you get a, a listing and not get a listing. And I think that's why you really have to kind of push the fact that you, you know what you're talking about. And they have to believe that. And knowing what you're talking about is actually have, have, haven't done this stuff. So it's really important to, uh, to, to do what you do right. And I think eventually, you know, everyone wants the most amount of money they possibly can and everyone wants to push it. It's who do you think is the best person to put you in that position in which to be able to push it. And so, I don't know. I think it just gets to a point that some listings you don't want, you know, if they're, if they're totally unrealistic, but Hey, if it's worth trying, you I mean, you certainly can try. And I always talk about that. You know, what we're trying to do is trying to get more of the market. If we're trying to get one certain buyer, well, it might just take a lot longer, you know, but that one certain buyer might, that might pay for it. I've had, like I said, I've had listings before that one, I remembered different price point, but it was 99900 This was years and years ago. And uh, it was on the market exactly for one year. We ended up having three offers at the same time. You know, it's just like hey, someone wanted it. And the other ones kind of fell in line. And we ended up getting over full price after a year on the market. So, yep. but we had to wait. You had to wait it out. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with all that too. I think that, you know, the, the whole, you got to be honest. Well, like people are lying. I don't think they're lying as much as you, you got to remember the position you're putting a real estate agent in as a buyer. Think about this. Imagine if you went to your doctor and your doctor had to sell you on allowing them to do the procedure that they just diagnosed you with. Oh. <laughs> your timing, man. You had the finger on the trigger. Um, but that's think about it. It's true. So you're hiring someone to come in and help you diagnose the situation you're in. And to help you, but do you trust them? Do you whatever? And so I'm telling you, that's where the old referrals come into play, where somebody that they trust refers you to them. Um, and then um, it, it, it helps with the trust factor. But then again, you still have to give people the facts. And I've always, you know, said to people that the, I'll do everything in my power to get you the price that I can, but the market may not agree with us, you know? So you're going to make my job harder. I have to charge you more commission. Or do you want to price it correctly? And then we don't have to spend quite as much trying to get that extra 30 grand that we maybe won't get anyway. And I'll be fair with you. You be fair with me. And let's get out there and get the house sold. And let's make the money up on the buy side wherever we buy. But I just, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think he's really playing on the, the weaknesses that people think real estate agents lie. And I, I don't think real estate right. agents lie as much as, they, they just don't tell you what really is going on because they if they did, you wouldn't hire them. And you think about that. They're on a job interview. That real estate agent's on a job interview for you to hire them. So treat them like you're interviewing. Ask the same questions to every agent you interview, right? And, and what do I get? And the best way I always say it is this. So let's say that procedure is worth, you know, in our opinion, let's say it's 5 or 6%. You tell them, hey, every agent, what will you give me for 5% or what will you give me for 6%? You know, what is, what do I get as a consumer for what you are offering for this price? And, and they may say, well, I don't really know. I just give you my expertise. Somebody else might come in and offer you a 50 point marketing plan and show you how they expose the house to more people that bring in more buyers. It creates more demand that gets you higher price, even above market price. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, Andrew. It is. It is what you pay for it. I think, I think his little 
little stick on there about lying is little maybe a little like a, it's a salesperson and salespeople do move the truth a little but i don't think they're intentionally lying that they're not good or they can't do anything or um you know it's like you don't go in and tell people that you know yeah no i've i i can sell houses and i know this area and you know i sell more than anyone in this in this area you know that there's that's a that's a fib. That's a well, salesperson. How many people have gone home after they've been at the at the uh, the store, and they're like, "Boy, the salesperson's like, boy, uh, excuse me, miss, I, I uh, you know, helping you find some stuff, but those jeans accentuate you so well. Oh my god, they just <laughs> grab everybody's attention in the room. Oh my god, you have to buy these. And then you're like, they look so good and they feel so good. I might even buy two pair. Now also you got two pair of jeans that cost you two hundred bucks of whatever they are. You go home and your husband's like, those are weird. What the heck? And you know what I mean? And it's like, you, you anyway, we'll, we'll yeah. move on. Three negotiation tactics that have made me a very rich woman. Number one, don't sell what's already sold. Once you've already come to an agreement, know when to stop selling. And most importantly, know when to shut up. Sometimes your big mouth can ruin a deal that you already thought you had. Number two, success is defined not by your ability to say yes, but by your ability to say no. Remember, true power is about being able to walk away from a deal. They can keep their house, and I can keep my money. And number three, don't be an asshole. You could have all the money in the world, but if you're an asshole, chances are you're not closing that deal. Does that make sense? For more real estate facts and tips, follow me on TikTok and Instagram. Chris, do you think being an asshole means you start off a video by saying you're rich and holding up a Gucci book? Because that's what she did. <laughs> that's is, is that what you considered what that is? Or is that confidence? I struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think her first two uh, pieces, though, were very, very good. I think you, you do. You see people. It's like you don't. It's done. Don't be in quiet and listening is a yeah. very important thing. It really is for these people. Yeah, I, I get it. And I think that the part of it is for me, like, you know, you look at it and you're wearing a four carat diamond ring and, and I just, I, you know, and I'm not, you wear those things to show off. You, you don't wear diamonds because it keep you alive and it helps your heartbeat. You wear it because you want people to think you have money. And you want to carry that like overconfidence or your insecurities or whatever it is that makes you drive that Ferrari. And, and I'm like, I go, okay, cool. Good for you. If that's what's important to you, having the image of what other people think of you. And I did, I struggle with that. I would have rather listened to a guy sitting in a t-shirt in a van at an Albertson's parking lot and that knows how to sell stuff and knows how to talk to people and knows how to take care of people. Because to me, you are rich. She's not. Uh, I think it's I, I think it's back to your accentuating genes story, Andy. I mean, people, it's it's perception. There's a lot of that that is perception, especially as the higher the the values are that people want you to that you understand those people too that are buying that you're the crowd that you're buying understands that because I think I think a lot of times people don't understand who. The, the level of buyer that they're dealing with. And it's not all about, Hey, whatever's the cheapest is what's the best value. And um, I just I think 
you know, and maybe she's trying to portray that. Um, but I think her, if I look past her, her rings and her Gucci's, yeah, yeah. whatever yeah, it is, it's kind of like her, what she said, she, there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that. So in my opinion, can you guys hear me? Yes. Um, so I, I was doing some research on this lady and some other influencers in the, the real estate space. Um, one guy that I always get memes from has probably the stupidest page ever. And he's getting like 50 different um, referrals like a week off it. And he just sends them out to people across the country. And I guarantee you this lady is doing the same thing. She makes these uh, TikToks and hitting the camera and, and acting the way she does. And tons of people are in her DM saying, hey, I'm in this area. I need my household. And she refers it out. Cool. That makes sense. That's actually a, that's interesting. That's a, actually that's really an interesting way of playing with this stuff. Yeah. Is you know you get to be this person and it's like, hey, create this uh, group all around the United States that you can get people to be able to go and you know work with these like-minded people that are following you on social media. I mean that's kind of interesting. Hey Nick, get on it. Get on it. Yeah, find people that want to deal with old dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to work with us? Yeah. Jeez. I, I, uh, I don't – you guys, you got to understand. I, I, I throw the opinions out there because you asked me to. Normally, in a normal day, somebody like that would breeze by me and I wouldn't even pay attention to her. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Hey, Chris, do you want to do Andy's commercial? Let me think about Andy for a while. The hesitation doesn't make anybody nervous. <laughs> it, uh, it builds the suspense. No, no, I think we could. I think we could do it together. I think that uh, Andy, what what kind of uh, seller are we looking for? What is what is the main um, type of hot commodity that's happening in the Champlain Blaine uh, area right now? Brooklyn Park Center. Hot commodity? Just being yeah. What's able what's to sell the something, but. The, What's the, the top listing is, that you need right now? What do we need to get go get? You know, what price right, point? Now, right now I see a lot of buyers with children. Um, I'm seeing a lot of empty nesters. Those are the two. Uh, First-time home buyers are, are really struggling, but I'm seeing a ton of people. Um, they want the four-bedroom, three-bath. They want the two stories. Um, they they uh, want the square footage. They want the home office. Um, does it have a spark court? Great. Does it have a, you know, um, theater? Great. I mean, but it doesn't have to. I, I think that the, that's the biggest need that I'm seeing out there right now for, for the marketplace. And then I'm also seeing the people that are selling that house and they're, they're, you know, the needs are getting sore and they're sick of the stairs and they are like, Hey, I want to go find the retirement house um, or the one level easy living house. I, I've, uh, I've sold quite a few of those recently too. So there, there's a, uh, that is a, uh, um, a need that I'm seeing right now um, for sure. The other so thing, price point. What's well, the price point? You know, um, you know, I would say anywhere from probably the four fifty to probably eight hundred is what okay, I'm saying. So but I mean, big range. Yeah, you know, I've got a couple. I got one coming right now that's going to be close to seven in, in Champlain on the park, and it's uh, it, it'll it'll sell fast. But I mean, the key thing is is getting the exposure for that house where you know there may be only three buyers in the city here. It's it's marketing that property properly that pulls in other people that maybe like sliding through Instagram and all of a sudden they go, Oh, that's cool. Never thought about that. Wow. How cool to be to live on the park and creating buyers that weren't buyers to come over that may pay more. 
that that's the key right now is, is getting creative marketing. We also like to use a lot of AI. So what, what that does is this, um, it goes out there, artificial intelligence will pull us and tell us who's actually looking, who's actually not looking within a city. So if you get a hot city where you're like, hey, we live in a really cool school district, for example, that school district, then um, we can identify potential buyers based on what they're clicking on, what they're not clicking on. So the technology behind what we do right now is pretty cool. So, it, you know, you can actually pinpoint, and, you know, specifically market to people. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm giving a sales pitch. I'm not trying to give a sales pitch, but that's something that you can find buyers in the marketplace that will pay more. And, and that's where house prices are not going down, ladies and gentlemen. There's just not enough inventory out there. So we're seeing houses actually not, now uh, under the 500 are sliding back into multiple offers when they list. Yeah. Well, Andy, you can, you can say this because it was a commercial. Oh, well, then buy from me, sell with me. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. When the closer asked the buyer if they have made any large purchases since applying for their loan, he said no, except for my new truck yesterday. (laughs) That's a problem. Just so you guys know, um, once you start in the loan process, don't buy a thing unless you talk to your lender to make sure that it's okay. Just saying. Be moved in first, then, then go truck shopping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't stop. Once had a buyer to seller squabbling over 300 bucks, something insignificant that came up during the final walkthrough. Uh, this was about 10 years ago when both agents, the buyer and the seller, both their attorneys were all sitting there with the title closer. Finally, one of the attorneys stood up, whipped out his wallet and threw three crisp $100 bills on the table. The buyer proceeded to pick up the money and we closed. I'll tell you what, guys, it's not money. It's called principles. And that's what happens. And it gets to a point that, you know, it's a stupid little dumb little thing. And whoever thinks they have the leverage, not give it up. I mean, and it's, that's interesting with an attorney, you know, yeah. that would take that money out and be able to throw it out there and get the deal done. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I've had deals blow up over 300 bucks. Yeah. It's just so dumb. It's so to get to that point, <clears throat> And I think that's a lot of what she said before. Shut up. Stop selling. Stop doing it. And, what you don't really want, you just don't really want to get these buyers together. If you know you have a volatile type client, don't get them together. Keep them apart. You know, it's a transaction. It's a house we're buying. It's not friends we're trying to make. Did so. you, uh, did you, um, did, I, did I ever tell you about one of the first times I ever helped a buyer buy a house? And we were over by, we were in Robbinsville by the old Terrace Theater. You guys remember the Terrace Theater? No. Okay. No. Well, uh, anyway, so we're this house was like right across the street from the Terrace Theater. Had this young guy. This at this time I was working with a lot of people over at Toyota, and uh, they were coming in young buyers, and they were you know really good pay, and it was wonderful. So um, now they're all buying their second homes with me. But the the first rounds were first time buyers, and I remember this young kid named Dallas. We were out there looking at this house, and we wrote an offer, and he was so nervous. The poor guy. He, I mean, he was like literally shaking. And we wrote the offer and this was, I was pretty wet behind the ear still. And I, I asked my broker, everything was right. We wrote it, we signed it and we go out there to do the walkthrough and we show up at this house, Chris, and I'm not joking with you. We pull up into the alley, we park and there's two kids out there with a sledgehammer and they're jumping. The one kid's on top of the refrigerator. The other kid's hitting the side of the refrigerator and trying to knock the other kid off the refrigerator. And I'm like, that's, hey, fellas, how's it going? You know, this is, you know, 20-some-year-old Andy going, hey, how you doing? You know, good to see you, kids. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, this is the best. And we go inside, we look at the whole house, and I go, oh, that's weird. The uh, refrigerator's missing. And uh, we we go, <laughs> we come outside, and I, and I look, and I go, what the hell? Maybe the refrigerator went bad, and they were just getting rid of it quick. It's cheaper to recycle it yourself than it is to, you know, they were breaking it into pieces so they could put it into a dumpster. Um, and I, I call the agent, and the agent says, well, they thought you didn't want it because it wasn't written in the purchase agreement. And I go, I put all appliances as seen on. And they go, yeah, but that one wasn't plugged in. And uh, and so this poor kid, this Dallas, literally was so upset. He he was like almost in tears. And I says, here's the good news, buddy. We're going to go shopping right across the street at the old Montgomery Wards, which was right there. And I said, let's go get you a brand new fridge, buddy. Oh my God. I was so embarrassed. And, and we, so that was one of my first, um, but you know what, that kid, I think referred me to 50 people. I mean, he was like, my realtor bought me a refrigerator and we had so much fun and you know, which was open house when he didn't open house and it was cool. Anyway. So stuff does happen for a couple hundred. And that was a couple hundred dollar item back then. Unmute. You're muted. Well, there you go, Chris. It was nice talking with you, buddy. I, I, I got I got another one. This one is long, but uh, it's very okay. sad. So here. Oh. All right, Chris is on mute, so I'll read it. I I have a fun one. A completely uneventful contract made it all the way to the closing table. Everybody signed their documents. In my state, you sit at the table and wait till everybody, every everything is finalized. The loan is funded, uh, deed recorded, and then everybody walks away with their keys and checks. The buyer, seller, their agents, and the loan officer are sitting at the table chit-chatting when the buyer mentions that they're going to go out immediately and start enjoying their retirement in the, in the Bew mentions. I don't know what that means. Um, that there's going to uh, go out immediately and start enjoying their retirement. Oh, and the beautiful lake house they just bought. Uh, he had retired the day before from his job that qualified him for the loan. Uh, no one walked away with keys or checks that day. There you go. That's exactly why. Well, there's another reason to be quiet again. You know, I mean, especially if you're being deceptive like that, because there's, Obviously, there's no way in which to be able to, um, at least the mortgage company doesn't think, how are you going to pay the loan back? So, so. Loose, the old loose lips sink ships. Um, there you go. And, and this is why in a lot of states, they don't have buyers and sellers get in the same room for that exact reason. Yeah. It's a chit-chat but, that kills us. Andy, wasn't there one that you had, there was a couch in the lower level, but there's no way yeah. to get it out? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that happened at closing? They were chit. They were chit chatting, and you know they bought this leather couch. And the guy at closing, the seller, makes the comment. He says, "Well, we couldn't even get the couch out of the basement anyway, so we were probably just going to give it to you." And and the, the buyer <laughs> they says, paid oh. for it, right? Yeah. And the buyer said something, and, and he goes, "Well, for three hundred dollars, what do you expect? It's a pleather couch." The guy stands <laughs> up and goes. Are you effing kidding me? This is a pleather. It's not even a real couch for $300. Well, then go get the God blankety blank thing out of there. 
And we're not closing until it's done. Andy Kraski, as he gets up from the little puddle of PP in the <laughs> I go, I go, uh, well, I said, good thing I got a sawzall out in my truck. I said, why don't we head over there after closing? We'll cut it out of there. We'll haul it away for you guys. Uh, oh yeah. People say the dumbest things. I'm like, just don't talk. Although, although Andy, I would rather have that stuff come up beforehand than after the fact, because as from a seller or representing a seller, at least you have the leverage of, you know what, I'm not going to sell it to you. Once they buy it, it's done. Then you're at the mercy of someone else making that decision for you, you right. know, if you screwed up. But the yeah. thing is, is yeah. you can't be deceptive. You just can't. No, I don't know if it was being deceptive as much as it was just like, why are you saying things like, you know, that you don't need to say at the time? Because it, yeah. it was a, um, I, I, I had one last year where there was a lot of, let's just say knickknacks, okay, in the house. And they were very cool knickknacks that probably made the house feel cooler than it really was, okay? So there was a big check being exchanged for the knickknacks to stay. And I'm telling you, I always tell people, I say, well, if I'm going to sell knickknacks, I said, what's my cut? And they go, what do you mean? Because I go, knickknacks can literally blow up a sale. And I said, if it gets blown up, I said, what's my, why, why would I let you take that risk for me? And they look at you kind of funny and I go, if you guys want to cut a deal outside of closing, outside of me, I just don't even want to hear about it. You know what I mean? And, and people go, well, but we, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, but nothing. I mean, when you're exchanging three, $4,000 or the, the, the quote furnished cabin, and then the people say, oh, well, that was grandpa's chair. We're not going to leave grandpa's chair. But I said, you sold it as a furnished cabin. And that was there when they saw it and they asked for it, you know, assuming everything would be stayed. Like you said, it's furnished. Well, we just took one chair. I go, oh my God, this is what, this is what happens. And these deals blow. So I'm going to say this to everybody on air. If it's important to you, get rid of it, pull it out of the house, because if it shows, it goes. So people see it, they're going to want it, especially if you don't, you, you've got that favorite light fixture that was in the chandelier of the grandpa's business that blah, that means something to the family. Get it out before you sell your house. And then they can't ask for it if it's important to you. Otherwise, whatever you leave in that house, just don't be attached to it and be okay with it being sold. All right. It's a very good point. Uh, Sorry, you, I got a little excited per- here. Yeah, but personal property is just a mess. It can be a, just a total mess. Mm-hmm. And it becomes the hardest part of the negotiation process. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got a text from one of my teammates saying that my commercial, I should have mentioned that we're working with 65 buyers right now looking for houses in the Northwest Metro. Mm. Is that all? Wow. Yeah. Talk about well, inventory. We've got, we've got agents on the team and everybody's working with, you know, quite a few people. So That's awesome. Yeah. Hi, guys. I got to get your thoughts on these uh, listing photos. Well, it looks like a forest. <laughs> yeah. like a prison. Oh, looks like oh a prison. my gosh. That, uh, yeah, uh, landscaping. Uh, oh, my creepy. <laughs> oh, my God. What is, what is that stuff? Oh, collectibles, Chris. Collectibles. I can't I even see I it. I want them someday. I collect pumpkin heads and seashells. <laughs> the sad thing is, is I'd probably keep some of the seashells. 
Oh boy. Whoops. So which room did the guy blow himself up in? <laughs> yeah. That was just that house alone? Oh. Holy moly. Seems like a lot of money for a lot. I would I would love to see what it says about that house. <laughs> Where is it? I can't see it. I meant Miami. You guys made me go on my car phone. So where is that house? Miami. Okay. Miami. Well, if it's on some water, that's th those pictures are fine. <laughs> I don't know if it is, though. I think Miami yeah. is a hot market. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume it's very hot, especially in the summer. <laughs> All right, what else do you go? Can you read All right, it? I, I got it. I recently closed on my home, but the weeks leading up to it were a nightmare. The buyer's agent gave the buyers a key to my home without my permission. Oh, boy. And they started doing renovations. All right. I had to tell them to leave immediately and took the, the lockbox off the door to prevent them from coming back. On the day of closing, the buyers changed their down payment to zero. I have filed a complaint with the Realtor Association for my state, uh, but there is is there anything else that I can do? If you closed on the property, it's done. You can obviously probably file some ethics complaints um, for sure. I mean, if, if a realtor ever gives somebody a key without it being their house uh, or having permission, I mean, that that's close to losing your license. You know, depends how much yeah, that no, owner – you can't do that. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if you could go after the broker and ask them for a percentage of the commission back for to penalize the agent because – what ends up happening is they go for these ethics complaints. You sit in front of a board of realtors and they all say, yep, it's horrible. And then they they find them. But the the people that are running the complaint don't get the money. A lot of times it goes right to the board of, of realtors, which is yeah. silly. But yeah, yeah, that's not uh, that's not a good thing for us little realtors that are out there. Never give a key to a client. I mean, and that happens a lot that. All of a sudden, it's um, it's closing day, the day next day, next morning. You do your walkthrough at five o'clock the night before, and you say, you know what? Well, I'm just going to give you the key now. Hang on to it. You just can't go in there before closing. Well, in the morning, they're like, well, geez, we our car's full. Let's just go drop a load off at the house. Mm -hmm. And so they go drop a load off at the house, and all of a sudden, the seller comes back to say goodbye to it one last time, and they see all those things in there. All hell breaks loose, people. Can't, or, can't or, do it. Or put it in a new construction world, because I deal with this about three yeah. times, four times a month, where, well, we just put some stuff in the garage, and the city's going to get the CO, and yeah. they're like, well, you're occupying the property. We're not going to issue the CO. Yeah. And the people are like, well, we're not living there. They go, you have a personal property there. Yeah. Depends on the city. But, I mean, I can't believe how many people are gutsy enough to move their stuff into a house. I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it just. We're buying it. What's the big deal? We're closing right. in an hour. That I you get. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Mm -hmm. Biggest lessons from the Remax event. Um, they have good oxygen at every casino to be able to get yourself right back into the swing of things. You, 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 a lot of those people are functioning with hangovers. They don't even know it. And they're functioning. Yep. Exactly. That's my lesson. Andy, what'd you learn? 
Um, I, I really, uh, I learned that the marketplace that we're heading into, actually, we, we will see less real estate agents. I think they were talking about the amount of agents and mortgage brokers that are going to be going away from the business, which is always okay because those will stick around. And, and they really talked about it becoming a, what they call professionals real estate business, where um, the sales are going to be happening are going to be run by the professionals that act like professionals, treat their businesses like a professional business and conduct themselves that way. And that it, it, it's going to get back to uh, those that survive through the next turn because it will be slower, right? So it's like they're not saying houses are going down in value. Don't scare the consumer. We're saying there's just going to be less houses to sell, kind of like the car dealerships dealt with that last year where they, hey, we only get six cars a month. Do you really need 10 salespeople to sell six cars? Probably not. So right. that's, I think, the analogy that we got. Housing is looking very fine. What they also said was with this um, fear that inflation is continuing, they're going to say houses are going to continue going up in value. They kind of follow inflation. So really interesting conundrum, right? Talked about interest rates possibly going up again to try to cool that down. And so there, there's a lot of interesting things happening right now, dynamics wise, that I think would, it, it's still a great time to sell. And I, I think that if I was buying, I'd hurry up and buy before the rates go up towards the middle of the end of the year. Um, but that's just me just trying to beat rates, you know. All it does is if rates go up, it just pushes your, your purchase point down. Because if you make a certain amount of money and you want to dedicate $2,000 a month to your house payment, you know, and the rates go up, all it does is means you just have to buy a lower price house. But that can be tricky when there's no houses for sale. And that's where we get into multiple offers because I think you see a lot of moms and dads saying, hey, I'm sick of my kid not getting the house. Let's throw another 30000 at this thing. Uh, gift gift the kid the money or whatever. And um, anyway. that's what I learned. Beautiful. Hi, right, guys. Another great episode. Give us a like, subscribe to our YouTube channel, write us a review on iTunes, Spotify. We have a link tree now. All of our website links are there, everything to stream. And uh, we'll see you next week. Woo! Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.